athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You've got box to row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I am your host, Donald Ware. Day two of the National Football League draft happening right now. Rounds two and three on today. Round one, well, at least the first couple of picks went pretty much scripted. Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. The question was, what were the San Francisco 49ers going to do with the third pick? Remember, the 49ers traded all the way up to pick number three. The talk was Mac Jones out of Alabama. But ultimately, the 49ers decided to go with Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And by the way, Trey Lance becomes the, I read this somewhere on Twitter, as a matter of fact, and looked it up and it's true. Because, <laughs> you, you know, Twitter Twitter is, Twitter's kind of, can be kind of crazy, actually. But. Trey Lance becomes the first FCS quarterback taken that high since ultimately the late Steve McNair was taken out of Alcorn State by the then Houston Oilers. It was the Houston Oilers and then ultimately the Tennessee Titans. And uh, so great. I mean, that is great for Trey Lance. When you, because there was a, you know, it's just a lot of discrepancy in terms of who the 49ers actually were going to go with. I mean, if you look, and I, you know, if you look at the ceilings of both, I mean, Jones probably more ready to play right away. Trey Lance, maybe not. I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. He didn't, maybe he didn't on a consistent basis play against the top competition. We've always heard that, like at HBCUs, at small schools. We've always heard that. I mean, heck, Darius Leonard heard it. He was a second-round draft pick starter from day one. He's an all-pro. I mean, you know, and I get it. I mean, I, I get it. We're, we're talking about the quarterback position and, you know, all of those things that come along with being a quarterback in the National Football League. Like, I get all of that, so it's a little bit different. But, I mean, I listen, we'll see. That That's all I can say. Like, when we're talking about these draft prospects and all of that, I mean, it's 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 a prospect. It's what people think, and it doesn't always hold true, whether to the right, meaning, uh, in other words, the guys will, will praise, you know, experts and and NFL people even will praise people, and they ultimately turn out not to be who they thought they were. And then ultimately, guys will be uh, n- not graded high or whatever the case may be, and ultimately turn out to be great players. It's a prospect 
it could go either way. Uh, but listen, you're the 49ers. Got to feel really good about your pick. But I would ask the 49ers fans, ultimately, how do you feel about that pick? How do you feel about getting the quarterback, Trey Lance, from North Dakota State? But, again, knowing you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who, by the way, is another FCS quarterback. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was was drafted high. I can't remember the, the year. I mean, the years just passed by. I mean, what has Jimmy Garoppolo been in the league now? What, like six, seven years? Something like that. Um, and is you know, it's done, done reasonably well. Like, it, you know, it, it sort of depends on the system. I mean, he's had his moments, right? So we'll ultimately see how things play out with the 49ers. I want to hear from 49ers fans. Are you happy with the pick? Trey Lance at number three. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Got a lot of show to get to today on the program. We're going to talk National Football League draft here on BoxToRow on ESPNU Radio. Also, the last game of the HBCU season on tomorrow, Alabama A&M and Arkansas Pine Bluff get together in Jackson, Mississippi for the SWAC championship and ultimately the HBCU National Championship. You look at the HBCU coaches and media polls, Alabama A&M and Arkansas Pine Bluff are numbers one and two respectively. So you know the winner, and they're both undefeated. Both teams are undefeated. So you know the winner is going to be HBCU national champs it's been a long time for Alabama A&M Alabama A&M hadn't been in a SWAC championship game since 2011 I can remember being there because Alabama A&M fell to Grambling who was coached at that time by Doug Williams and uh, as a matter of fact his son uh, DJ it was the first play of the second half I remember it vividly as uh, Grambling was moving left to right first play Grambling from its own 20. Williams goes deep. I can't even remember who the receiver was at that time. 80-yard touchdown pass. And I think what was a close game at that time got blown open and ultimately Grambling went on to win that game. I don't remember the score, but it wasn't I – mean, I mean, I'm not going to say it was a blowout, but, it, you know, I mean, Grambling won the game handily. And – uh, so Alabama A&M back in it for the first time the following year, meaning 2012, Arkansas Pine Bluff wins the SWAC championship game, defeated, I believe it was Jackson State. You talk about Doug Williams coaching that Grambling team. Well, the coach the next year of that, uh, of that uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff team was Monty Coleman. Okay, so you have a what was then known as the Washington Redskins. Uh, now the Washington football team, you have that connection. And by the way, the Alabama A&M head football coach in 2011, when Grambling defeated Alabama A&M in the SWAC championship game, Anthony Jones, who was a tight end for the then Washington Redskins. So you got that connection with those three coaches were coaches of their respective teams at the same time. Uh, in the SWAC, and is it, isn't it isn't it interesting? I mean, like, I'm not going to call it a resurgence, right, of what we're seeing 
uh, right now because we're hearing Marshall Falk's name being thrown out as a coach uh, at an HBCU. Um, but, you know, you have Eddie George going back a couple of weeks ago, the hire by Tennessee State, and then, of course, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, Doug, I mean, well, Doug Williams is high profile. I mean, you could say William, he may not be Deion Sanders flashy high profile, but Doug Williams is like high profile. Super Bowl winning quarterback, first uh, 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 black quarterback, if you will, to win a Super Bowl. All right. That's pretty high profile. Uh, You know, Monty Coleman was one of the one of the really all time great. Washington Redskins, now Washington football team. And then you look at Anthony Jones. I believe Anthony Jones was part of um, part of the 87 Super Bowl team. As a matter of fact, all three were part of the 87 Super Bowl team. So it's interesting how things kind of come back. You have, I mean, but of course, Doug Williams is a, is a grambling grad and played in HBCU football. But anyway, I mean, we're, we're going to talk some SWAC championship. I'm going to give you my thoughts on who wins this SWAC championship and why, and it may surprise you. So you don't want to miss that on today's Box to Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. As the NFL draft continues along, the last couple of weeks we've been talking with some of the HBCU players that have an opportunity to be drafted. And joining us today on the program, played at North Carolina A&T wide receiver, now former A&T Wide receiver Elijah Bell going to join us on the program. To me, when I look, you know, I had a chance, you know, I call games for a and I'm the play-by-play voice, radio voice for a and football. So I've seen Elijah Bell or saw Elijah Bell play for four years, 2016, 17, 18, 19. The last three years, a and won HBCU, uh, won the HBCU National Championship. Uh, in 2016, he hit the scene immediately, right? size, uh, good speed. You know, he was a he was a player. He was a really, really good player. Now, you'll have some that'll point to, and I'm going to ask him about this. You'll have some that'll point to the 2019 season, maybe not as productive with the numbers. At the end of the day, A&T won the national championship. You, you can, because this is what teams like to do. And, and, and draft so-called draft experts. I'm not going to call them so-called. I mean, a lot of these guys, are, they know what they're talking about. They study this, right? Um, they will point to, okay, well, look at the Duke game back in 2019. He didn't have a great game against Duke. As a matter of fact, had you know didn't have a good game at all. And they'll say, okay, look at that level of competition. That's, you know, sort of a, a measuring point to where you really are, perhaps. Although it was Duke. I mean, I mean, Duke is... Duke is okay. I mean, they're not great. They're not, you know, they're not great. It's the ACC. Like, it's not, it's not the SEC or, you know, the Big Ten or what have you, but it's still, it's still Power Five football, uh, right? But listen, I've, I've seen so many other great moments that Elijah Bell has had. You're not always going to have great moments, right? So, should you be defined by maybe not your best performance or your best moment against, top competition I don't know if I don't know if that's fair like that's how it works I don't know if that's fair but again gonna ask Elijah Bell about that and also what what he's been doing because much like Jimmy Robinson Jimmy Robinson uh, Jimmy Robinson's last year at Bethune Cookman was 2019 then you have the pandemic sets in in 2020 
So now these guys get the opportunity, go to the HBCU Combine. What have you been doing in between that time to prepare yourself for this moment? Going to ask Elijah Bell exactly that on today's Box to Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. So sit back, relax, enjoy the program. Glad you're on for the journey as Box to Row continues on. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here, right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Joining us in the next segment here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, Elijah Bell, former North Carolina A&T wide receiver, looking to hear his name called in the National Football League draft sometime this weekend. We sort of take a look. The Falcons went, uh, of course, number four. And in the last segment, we were talking about the first, uh, well, not the first three picks so much, but specifically the 49ers taking Trey Lance. So the Falcons come right behind, take Kyle Pitts, much heralded, tight end out of Florida. Uh, so that means Matt Ryan's got somebody else now to throw the football to, and we'll see ultimately how that works out and we'll see what the Falcons do in the next couple of rounds as well you know I when you talk about the Bengals right you got Joe Burrow there he gets injured last year the Bengals really need some help on the offensive line so the question was do you go high on the offensive line with that number five pick or do you give Burrow some more weapons to work with well Not only did they give him another weapon to work with, they gave him a weapon that he has already worked with in Jamar Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU. And I think that's a really good choice because Lamar Chase not only is an outstanding football player where uh, what he did in college is definitely going to translate to the National Football League, but he and Joe Burrow have a rapport. So that's a good move. You can get guys in the second and third round in terms of some help on the offensive line. Um, you know, there's a couple of offensive linemen obviously taken in the first round, but you can get help. So, I, I, you know, and, 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 and Chase, right? I mean, you want Joe Burrow to be healthy. I get it. But he and Chase are going to sell tickets and garner interest. You want to protect your quarterback, no doubt. But I think you can get some guys in the latter rounds to protect your quarterback. Um, just looking at some of the other picks here, the Broncos had a, you know, they they had an opportunity um, to try to get a, a quarterback, but ultimately went on the defensive side of the football, right? And uh, pick up Patrick Sertan, much heralded cornerback out of Alabama. 
um, you know, if I if I'm the Broncos, like I'm okay. Like I, like Drew, like like I saw some good things. I watched some of the Broncos games last year, and like I would I like some of the things that Drew Locke brought to the table. I think he's going to bring some good things to the table. Um, but I also I know <laughs> John Elway has really messed this up. To be honest with you, uh, ever since the Super Bowl, if you look at that Super Bowl team, Peyton Manning. I mean, he was on the downside last year of his career. Ultimately, the Broncos win the Super Bowl, and everything was in place. Receivers, running game, defense. All the Broncos needed to do was to be able to get a quarterback, and not only for the following year, but even the year after that, and they just messed just messed up the quarterback situation. So, I mean, I think Drew Locke, I mean, you know, is he a Super Bowl type of quarterback? I'm not sure, but then again, the Broncos aren't a Super Bowl contending team. That time has passed, unfortunately, for the Broncos. So you go defense, and you, you know you you have some faith in in ultimately what Locke can do. Now, the Eagles trade with the Cowboys to move up to take Devonta Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama. It's a great move. This is a phenomenal move, I think, by the Eagles. More help now. For Jalen Hurts, I think a lot thought maybe the Eagles go out and get another quarterback. I'm not sure what for. I mean, Jalen Hurts can play. I mean, you know, and he, he showed some flashes last year. Like, when you're a rookie, you're going to make some mistakes, but he showed some flashes. And all I have to do is look at what I saw him do even more specifically in his last year of college football at Oklahoma. He was absolutely dynamite that year. It's a good move by the Eagles. Chicago. Moves up, takes Justin Fields. Big time move by the Bears. Um, he'll have some weapons to work with. Uh, Tariq Cohen's going to be back healthy next year. The former, uh, he's all pro, but former uh, running back for North Carolina A&T. That's going to be great that, uh, you know, they can get that offense going, see what Justin Fields is going to be able to bring to the table. Again, the Cowboys trade down a little bit and take Micah Parsons. Linebacker from Penn State, I think it's a good move. I mean, the Cowboys needed some help on defense. Uh, really needed some help, particularly at the linebacker spot on the defensive side of the football, and the Cowboys took Micah Parsons. Just kind of looking down uh, at the, the Jets' go uh, with, uh, with, a, with a, uh, a guard, an offensive lineman, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. I mean, you know, gotta gotta be able to protect um, that new quarterback in Zach Wilson. Uh, just sort of looking down the list a little bit at some of the more intriguing picks from day one of the National Football League draft. I like the pick by the Steelers, Najee Harris, the running back at number twenty-four. I, you know, James Connors started the season out, I thought, rather well for the Steelers on last year for whatever reason. The running game just could not get it going for the Steelers, and that was in in part really the issue for the Steelers the latter part of the season, could not get the running game going. Najee Harris is a dynamic player. Like, that is a really good pickup, I think, by the Steelers. The Jaguars, speaking of teammates, we were talking about uh, Burrow and Chase. Well, the uh, Jaguars get a pair of teammates uh, that have played the, uh, played at least last college football season together. Travis Eddian, the running back 
uh, from Clemson. I think that's a man. That's a good pickup. I mean, I like what the Jag. I really like what the Jaguars are uh, doing. So those are to me some of the highlights uh, that we saw from the first round of the NFL draft. But this is where your bread is buttered here in the second and third rounds. This is where your bread is buttered. This is where you get some of those players, maybe some of those guys that uh, were projected first-round picks that slip more specifically into the second round. This is where you can get some of those guys in the third round. This is where teams are built in the National Football League in the second, third, and even in the fourth rounds uh, as well. So we'll see ultimately how things uh, play out for teams Moving forward, there, I mean, there have been a, I mean, you can name a number of guys. Um, I, I mentioned uh, Darius Leonard was a second round draft pick. You know, if, even if you're talking about HBCU guys, you look at a Javon Hargrave, you know, uh, that the Steelers initially picked up. And then when he signed as a free agent last year with the Eagles, at the time, he was the highest paid. It was either defensive lineman or defensive tackle in the National Football League. So this is, this today, is where a lot of teams are really going to get better. That first round, your guys that are going to be sort of franchise guys, right? They're going to be hopefully immediate impact players. We know not all first-round picks are immediate impact players, but that's the hope. And then you build a team second, third, fourth round. So, again, we'll see how things ultimately play out on today. Up next here. On Box to Row on ESPNU Radio, speaking of the National Football League draft, we're going to be joined by a young man who hopes to hear his name called in the National Football League draft this weekend, the former North Carolina A&T wide receiver, Elijah Bell. ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a young man that had an absolutely prolific career at North Carolina A&T in four years. Had 202 receptions for almost 3,000 yards. Both of those are North Carolina A&T records. Top five in the MEAC all time. Again, a prolific career. Elijah Bell, hoping to hear his name called in this year's National Football League draft, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Elijah? Not much. What's going on, man? Not much. It's been a little while, and I know the journey has been great for you. And I want to start here. You had an opportunity to participate in the HBCU uh, Combine. Uh, Just your thoughts on the the Combine and how you did. Oh, I just want to uh, start off. I want to say uh, shout out to East uh, for bringing me in, interviewing me, and then uh, giving back to my uh, school. Started all um, back in my hometown, uh, donating five dollars in um in uh, football gear for the kids back home because uh, I know yeah uh, me through high school times where I didn't have a lot of gear, so for them to say that, I know that's gonna make the kids happy, uh, especially noticing my my name. So that was love, and but. Back to the uh, combine. It was a uh, it was a great experience for sure. Um, I got to meet a lot of the guys that um, I heard about in my career. Other receivers, other that I didn't get to play against in the SWAC, and uh, great people, um, better than they are, better people than they are football players. So it was uh, good to get to know them, and the whole experience was a great thing, especially being the first one. Yeah, no question. I mean, and speak to that a little bit more. As you mentioned, you're I mean you're appearing on behalf 
of East Bay. I mean, what does that, you know, being able to be a part of this and really give back to your school in Willing, West Virginia? I mean, tell us more in terms of what that means to you. I know you mentioned the fact that sometimes you all didn't have gear, but now those young kids are going to have that gear. It was it was very exciting, especially when I first got the uh, first got the uh, DM from East Bay on Twitter. It was just it was just it was like kind of like starstruck, kind of like it was some uh, a website that I ordered from my whole career, and for them to um, reach out, want to interview me and uh, fellow athletes at the ACU Combine was it was just a bittersweet moment for sure. And um, for them to do that and uh, just try to put HBCUs on the map, and um, it was a great thing for them to do for sure. Take us through your journey, man, because you had really, you know, I think, I, and we'll talk more about this. Like, I think, I mean, you you were vastly underrated. I don't think there's any doubt about that already going in, right, after the 2019 season was over. And then, of course, you know, COVID hit. How, how frustrating was that uh, when COVID hit? It seemed to, I mean, it, it seemed to derail what you were trying to do just a bit. Um, It hit, it hit hard. It hit full circle, actually. It was. It was, it's crazy because it, it's kind of the same situation that happened to me in high school, you know, um, having the same talks from the, the next level. I mean, high school, I'm not fast enough, this and that. Um, then I get my chance, uh, thankfully, at A&T. Um, they gave me my one shot to play Division One football, and um, it's just in me. That's who I am, and I just like to prove people wrong. And, and for, for, for more certain, I like to prove myself right more than I like to prove people wrong, so. It's just always been built in me, and it's the same. I was thinking to play college football, and I had a great career, and um, and I just get one chance in the NFL, and it, I feel like it's gonna be the same way because that's just who I am. I'm, 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 I'm the most competitive dude out there, and I don't uh, for answer, and so I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop until a uh, team tells me that I'm not good enough to play football. So that's just my mindset on it. It's been a blessing in disguise for sure, and uh, it's it, it's woke me up for sure. It's my first time. In about 12, 13 years, that I won a full season. So it helped me with my life, like outside of football. If things don't work out, how how life's going to be? So uh, from, for it being my first time, not being in pads for for a full year, and it was definitely life changing. But I think it helped me out in the long run. That's the voice of Elijah Bell, the most prolific wide receiver in North Carolina A&T history. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Did you ever think, I mean, when you're going through it, right, and, I mean, your opportunity, uh, you had a bit of an opportunity, then COVID hits. A lot of guys lost that opportunity because of COVID. I mean, did you ever think you would see this day again? I mean, how frustrating was 2020 for you? Very frustrating, especially just, just knowing, just knowing I'm sitting out right here knowing that I'm good enough to play at that level. So that's just the more frustrating part. Of the, just I, I, And I always go back and just watch my film. And I'm just seeing myself and the things I can do, do better. But the things that I do great, I'm just knowing, I'm just telling myself that I'm good enough to play there. And um, uh, one of my uh, good good friends from uh, Willing, my, my brother's best friend, uh, C.J. Goodwin, uh, corner for the Cowboys, he's from Willing. And he's always telling me that I'm better than a lot of guys he goes against and I deserve to be there, so that that just makes it more fun uh, to hear that from God that that's there, and uh, Cone as well, Bam, and all them guys just tell me I deserve to be there. It it hurts, it's frustrating, but I know it's a business, and you know I didn't get to do my um, combine at that time, so I know how it goes, and that to them that's more important than the eye in the sky and the, the actual football talent. So I took it, I took it with a grain of rice and. 
just is what it is, man. Just got to keep fighting, though. Yeah, and you have done that. Speak to that. Speak to training because you don't know when that opportunity is coming, but you always got to make sure that you're in shape and, you know, speak to the training. I mean, again, you haven't put pads on since December, whatever that date was in the celebration. Well, you may have put some other pads on. I don't know if you did any all-star uh, activities after the season, but it's been, the, the point is it's been almost a year and a half since you've put pads on. Yeah, that, that, that's what makes it even, even harder. Like, you not knowing, you not knowing if you ever going to play again. So it's like, it's like, as, as, as a part as the Elijah as not the football player uh my thoughts are what do I do do I do I stop this training do I try to start my actual life and but then just me uh my other but football is me so that part is just I can't give up someone's gonna give you a shot you've done too much and everything else so that just keeps me going and my family keeps me going my family makes sure I don't give up and uh they're always right by my side and uh, this year and a half off showed me the people who uh, was really there for me. Football isn't there. So uh, it's just been a great time for sure, and uh, even with the ups and downs. Elijah Bell looking to hear his name called in this year's National Football League draft appears on behalf of East Bay. He joins us here on the program. You're one. What I admire about you, one of the things, and, you know, had had uh, obviously I've had a chance to talk with you many a time. One of the things I admire about you is you take accountability. And, you know, I want to talk specifically to the Duke game in 2019 when you you felt like you didn't play well um, and you took accountability for that. I mean, you you in essence, which you don't know. I mean, you don't owe anybody an apology. You're a student athlete. You're playing ball. You're doing what you can. But you 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 felt like, hey, I didn't play well. And you took accountability for that. And you went to Twitter to say as much. And, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, you all, meaning the Aggies, ended up ultimately winning the national championship, the HBCU national championship, for the third straight year. Uh, what led you to do that? What led you to come out and say, "Hey, I, I you know, I just, I got to take accountability. I, I just don't feel like I played well against some top competition." Um, for stars, that is just me being the captain on a team for uh, three, four years, and and that's what the guys expect out of me. I know there's a lot of um, when I fumbled that ball when we was up uh, four with three minutes going to half, and then they went on twenty with twenty one no run in those four minutes. A lot of guys, I know there's a lot of guys, young guys that want to say something to me, but really didn't didn't feel like they they could or had the need to. But so I took it upon myself to to let them guys know that I'm going to if I do something wrong or they're going to do something wrong, no matter what, I'm going to say something, and uh, that's always going to be better days. And um. I felt that I could have played better. I only got to play, I think, 24 snaps or so. And it was a game that I needed to play well in. And uh, it was a game that we could have won. And I'm a team guy. So it wasn't, it wasn't even about me performing bad. It was just about me putting my team in a bad situation. And um, it was about me putting my team in a bad situation to cut our momentum. And uh, I think that cost us the game. A lot of people didn't want to say it, so I did. Wow. I mean, that's taking accountability because some may say, well, uh, and even, I don't know, some NFL people, I don't know this, but I'm just saying some may say, well, you know, because the the, the knock on small kid, got, small uh, school kids and more specifically HBCU kids is, well, you don't play against, you know, the highest competition. And and and, and maybe that was the game that, that you could have, uh, you know, shined a little bit. But what do you say to, I mean, has that come up in terms of how you played against Duke? And how do you, how have you or how do you respond to that? Uh, just this straightforward. If um, you guys want to base my 50 game career off that uh, one game, 
when I played big and three of my FBS wins or three of ATS FBS wins, then that's just something I can't control. And I'm just going to keep control what I can control. And if they want to just based off that one game career, then there's nothing I can do about it. But there's a lot of games where I played better. There's a lot of games I played worse than that one. So uh, that's just what they, was, that's their opinion and what they want to do with it. But um, my people around me, my team, my coaches, uh, they know that uh, I took up for it and uh, I, I finished strong the rest of the season. Um, and I help us lead us to our third straight national championship. Absolutely. Last couple of thoughts with, of course, Elijah Bell, formerly of North Carolina A&T, appears here on behalf of East Bay. So what are you hearing? What, are, what, what, what was said to you by scouts, et cetera, after the HBCU combine? Um, I, didn't, I, didn't really, I didn't really talk to uh, much folks besides the um, – because there wasn't uh, any NFL teams there. So I didn't I didn't talk to anybody besides the people that I was, I was there uh, trying to get a shot with. So I, it was just it was just fun hearing their stories and uh, we changed stories and of course we had the uh, who was the best HBCU uh, football team and I think everyone there agreed that it was us. So it was just uh, it was good it was a good time. They all respect we all respect each other and um, everyone else's grind for the game that they love and we uh, everyone gets a chance to play in the NFL because everyone there can play. And everyone can uh, can make a name for themselves. So it was just more so that, and just networking with those guys and East Bay and everything else. And uh, thanks for uh, Dr. Ulis for putting that on for us. And and just what guys, I did, I, it was a great time for sure. Yeah, no question about. It. So you're back in you're back in your hometown and and all of that. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm actually uh, uh, moving out to. Um, California on Sunday to uh, get back uh, training out there and stuff. So uh, to get back into a full stride and uh, to see where the ship sails. Yeah. Elijah Bell, again, the most prolific wide receiver in North Carolina A&T history. Looking to hear his name called in the National Football League draft. He appears today via East Bay. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Once again, Elijah, great to catch up with you. Thank you for sharing your story, and we look forward uh, to your very productive future. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. It means a lot. Phenomenal young man. Just a phenomenal young man. You heard him mention the fact that, hey, his only Division I offer was to North Carolina A&T. Uh, leaves A&T as one of the top, not only the top receiver of all time, touchdown receptions, yards, uh, receptions, but also top five in MEAC history. Right now, you know, he's sort of that underdog again coming into this, uh, well, really last year's National Football League draft uh, and again, that was really hampered for a lot of guys uh, by COVID. But he's getting another opportunity. And I think he answered the question. I mean, he, he, it was a great answer. He says, listen, when I asked him about how people would judge him, uh, first of all, for taking responsibility for not maybe not having as great a game as he would have liked to have had. And as he mentioned, hey, I fumbled. You know, we had an opportunity to go up against Duke and I fumbled the football. You know, and I had some drops in that game, and it cost us. It could have very well cost us a major, major upset. And he said, hey, I did it for the younger guys. I wanted those guys to know that, hey, they want, maybe they wanted to ask me about it. I wanted to let them know. You know, he, he let Aggie Nation know at that time. And, and that's character. Like, you, you, you know, we can talk about production. 
all day long. And I'm happy to have the conversation about production all day long. And if you want to talk about, well, it's smaller school production and all that kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of guys have have excelled and had great careers in the National Football League that played uh, uh, not I mean, played small college football, FCS, D2, NAIA, whatever, D3, whatever you want to say. But that's character to come out and say, I didn't have my best game. And I, you know, I apologize to you for not having my best game. That's a that's one of those games because, I'm you know, he's trying to do as well as he can because he knows. And I, and I don't want to get into, well, it's pressure. He can't handle the pressure. People, No, you know, when you're out there, and you're already an underdog. He's been an underdog all his life. An underdog coming into A&T. Now you got to go out and try to have your best game uh, because the scouts are there and everybody wants to see what you can do against top-level competition. I mean, he, he, he went out, did the best he could. It didn't work out. But to his point, you can't discount all of the other FBS games. Uh, let's look at A&T going to Kent State in 2016 and beating Kent State. Let's look at the win against ECU in 2018. Let's look at the win against Charlotte, who was who was an FBS program uh, that I believe that was the first year in 2017. So you got to look to his point. You got to look at the whole picture. And then also what he was able to do now, you know, he's got good size um, and, and still good size against defensive backs. He's 6'1". Weighs like 220, 225 pounds, something like that. I mean, in the National Football League, like we talked with Brian Mills a couple of weeks ago, right from North Carolina Central. Guys, corners aren't 6'1", generally speaking, in the National Football League. So he's still got good size. He's got good speed. He's a good blocker. Does some of the other intangible things as a wide receiver. And I think that... You know, he's going to make a squad, whether he gets drafted or not. Uh, he's going to make a squad. He just needs an opportunity. That's what a lot of these guys need. He needs an opportunity to show what he can do against elite level competition. You get into those camps. Um, well, you know, you're, you're playing against light competition, but you're catching, you're showing the coaches what you can do, and you may catch a coach's eye. And ultimately, I think, he ultimately goes on to make a team. It's a lot of guys in that boat. But, but again, let's give some credit from a character standpoint. They're talking about character in the National Football League. Well, you can't have much more character than that, than saying, hey, I didn't perform my best. Uh, but again, let his whole body of work speak for itself. And when it does, it says, Top five receiver of all time in the MEAC. Been some good receivers and some receivers that have played in the National Football League that have come through the MEAC. Up next here on Boxer Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, I am going to preview the SWAC championship game between Arkansas Pine Bluff and Alabama AM. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com.
You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork. You know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-659-7980. 800-659-7980. That's 800-659-7980. Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. Again, Elijah Bell of North Carolina A&T, formerly the wide receiver, hoping to hear his name called in the National Football League draft to sign as a free agent. Joining us on the program, you can react to anything that he had to say via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. The Box to Row National Game of the Week. It's the last game of the season, the SWAC Championship game against the two undefeated teams, Alabama A&M out of the East and Arkansas Pine Bluff out of the West. It's really been a long time for both of these programs, long time for both of these programs. As a matter of fact, uh, I was at the SWAC championship game 2011. It was uh, Alabama A&M and Grambling, if memory serves me correctly, Grambling ultimately went on to win that football game. It's been a long time for Arkansas Pine Bluff. As a matter of fact, the next year, 2012, Pine Bluff won the championship Again, if memory serves me correctly, believe it was beating may have been uh, may have been Jackson State may may have been Jackson State. Uh, I don't I don't quite remember, but in any event, Arkansas Pine Bluff wins that, and so this promises to be an excellent matchup. You look at what both teams did throughout the course of the season: high octane offenses and really, really good quarterbacks. The Box to Row All-America team was released on Thursday. Aquil Glass named Box to Row National Offensive Player of the Year. And rightfully so. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, he had a phenomenal game against Jackson State. But, you know, it started off shaky against South Carolina State. And then in the next couple of games and you know it was only a, a really a handful of games that Alabama A&M was even able to play this year because of COVID and really because of the other teams having to cancel uh, but he showed what he could do he showed why he's a top 25 quarterback going into next year's NFL draft putting up some prolific numbers I mean in three games he throws for over a thousand yards in three games with 13 touchdowns Like, that's really, really good. He's the most efficient passer in all of FCS football. He's got a tremendous amount of weaponry to throw the football to, right? I mean, that's 
that's huge. You know, Alabama A&M's offensive line is solid. solid, Anchored by a guy like a Jonathan Williams, who is, uh, you know, is one of the best offensive linemen and was named also to the Box to Row All-America team as well. And you look at, you know, Zabry and Moore on one side, Abdul Fateh Ibrahim. Been talking about Ibrahim all year. I think Ibrahim may have led the swack in terms of um, receptions this year, I think. He had quite a few receptions. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a really a hard tandem to try to handle from an offensive perspective, right? Um, and then, oh, by the way, you look at Gary Quarles, the running back, I mean, he's pretty solid. So you look at this offense. I mean, there's not many, when you look at Alabama a and I mean, there's not many uh, weaknesses in terms of, uh, of the offense. Now, I go to the other side. I look at Arkansas Pine Bluffs offense. I mean, it's very similar. A lot of points being scored by Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Skyler Perry was named the impact player, the box to row impact player for the 2021 spring season. You look at what he was able to accomplish. Very similar numbers, at least from a touchdown perspective. Uh, even though he played in more games, uh, comparing him uh, to Aquil Glass. But, I mean, remember, 2019, uh, Skylar Perry's sharing time this year. Uh, he's the guy, and he's getting it done. He's got a, a, a solid offensive line, um, and uh, he's got some weapons to throw the football to. So, I, I mean, when I look at, these offenses, you know, you'd look at a guy like a Tyron Ralph, who's a game changer, but, you know, coming into more of his own, probably no more special teams wise, but definitely coming into his own from a pass catching standpoint. And then you have Josh Wilkes, uh, who was a, an honorable mention, uh, box to row all America this year. So listen, I look at that in, in the, the sort of the offenses are a wash. Uh, in a lot of respects, when I really look at this thing, offenses are uh, a wash. I mean, I think one, you know, when I look at that tight end position, I think uh, Arkansas Palm Bluff does a good job in terms of trying to get the football to the tight end uh, as well. Uh, maybe, you know, the running game is is okay, but it's the bread and butter with Arkansas Pine Bluff is definitely throwing the football. I think defenses are, are what, it's going to be the difference in this SWAC championship football game. You know, when I look at things from a defensive perspective, I mean, both teams have really have really given up. I mean, both teams have given up a lot of points this year. I mean, does that mean that we're ultimately going to have a shootout? Um, doesn't necessarily mean that. But, I mean, the you know, I, I, I think – when you look at both of these offenses, I mean, as as and I, and I really, to be honest with you, like I like Arkansas Pine Bluffs defense. Like I think their defense uh, is a lot better than maybe what it, what it is shown uh, so far this year in terms of the number of points uh, it's given up. I mean, you look at a lot of the games that Arkansas Pine Bluff has played in. You look at that game against Southern. I mean, Southern puts up thirty three points in that football game, but Arkansas Pine Bluff because of his offense, is able to put up, well, 30 points, I should say. Southern puts up 30 points, but Arkansas Pine Bluff is able to put up 
33 points in that football game. You know, Jalen Thigpen, I'm telling you now, this kid can play. And if you remember when Doc Gamble came on, he came on the program a couple of weeks ago, and then he came on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast back in February. And he said, watch for this kid. Well, this kid was named a box to row All-American this past Thursday. And by the way, I mean, he's a kid that can really, really, really play the football. He's like a ball hawk, you know. So, I mean, I, I think Alabama A&M, uh, excuse me, Arkansas Pine Bluffs defense is very solid. I mean, they're giving up some points. I mean, they gave up 21 points to Grambling, right? They had to struggle to beat Mississippi Valley State, and then they, they beat Prairie View A&M. But this is the thing, you know, we know what our, we know what Alabama A&M is. And by the way, Alabama A&M has given up quite a bit of points as well. You look at the game to Jackson State, that was a shootout. They they give up in excess of 40 points to Jackson State. Ended up winning that game by what nine points. I mean, they won by more than two scores or a touchdown and another score. But still, and, and Jackson State's got a, a really good offense. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, they gave up a lot of points against Jackson State. Um, and before I give my prediction, just want to go over a couple of other things as well. Again, um, as I mentioned, I mean, you, you know, I, you know, I think Arkansas Pine, Arkansas Pine, both teams have had a couple of weeks to prepare. Neither team played on last week as it was supposed to have played. So both teams having some opportunity uh, to prepare for this football game. Um, if I'm Alabama A&M, you know, I mean, they they've got so much weaponry. Right. And you look at Doc Gamble and Doc Gamble's, you know, a former college quarterback. who so has got more of an offensive mind, but he always preaches defense like that's the thing about Doc Gamble. He preaches defense and he and he even says even says this during the conference. He said it the other day on the SWAC championship game uh, coaches conference call. I'm in the defensive room. I'm peeking my head in the defensive room quite a bit because I want to see what that defense looks like. And when you got a Jalen Thigpen on defense, when you have an Isaac Peppers, who was also a Boxero All-America uh, at that linebacker position, I mean, I think you have something uh, right there. The guys up front, I think, are solid as well. And I believe that this is its going to be it's not going to be as high scoring a game as you may think because, again, the teams have put up quite a bit of points. Alabama A&M, many more points. Uh, you know, when you're talking about scoring 50 points in a game, I mean, that, that's saying something. Uh, you know, Alabama or Arkansas Pine Bluff has had to go toe-to-toe. You know, you look at the Mississippi Valley State game. You look at the Prairie View A&M game. Even though the Prairie View A&M game was a five-point game, um, I think the, 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 the score – was closer maybe than the score indicated. I'm going to go with what may be perceived as an upset in this football game. I'm going to go with Arkansas Pine Bluff in this football game. I think Alabama A&M's offense is more prolific than Arkansas Pine Bluff's offense is. However, Arkansas Pine Bluff has a really good offense. I think the difference is going to be I like Arkansas Pine Bluff's defense a little bit more uh, than I like 
Alabama A&M's defense. And that's not to say Alabama A&M doesn't have some players uh, on defense as well because Alabama A&M definitely has some players on defense. But I think where the game is going to turn, not only because I think Arkansas Pine Bluff is going to play, be able to make one more play or a couple of more plays defensively, Tyron Ralph is going to be a key in this football game. The kid can return punts. He can return kicks. He he was the one who had that that uh, seventy seven yard uh, uh, punt return for a touchdown that gave the victory to Arkansas Pine Bluff over Mississippi Valley State inside of two minutes. He's excellent. He's he's the Boxero return specialist, and generally each year we also do a kick returner and a punt returner. Well, we we we, we didn't have a kick or a punt returner because both were voted on by the media for Tyron Ralph, the kick returner and the punt returner. So it was just a return specialist because Tyron Ralph won it in all three. That young man may be the difference in this football game. I like Arkansas Pine Bluff's defense a little bit more, and I'm going to pick what may be perceived as an upset in this football game. I'm going to go with the Golden Lions. Let's take this conversation offline. I got to get ready to run here. On Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, but you can take it offline. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W, or on my personal Twitter account at DWare1, at DWare1. Again, a reminder the SWAT Championship game, Alabama AM and Arkansas Pine Bluff, is taking place on tomorrow. Check it out 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central Time, and noon out west. On ESPN2, check it out. You got some prolific quarterbacks. Skyler Perry of Arkansas Pine Bluff and one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country, Aquil Glass of Alabama a and As a matter of fact, was named HBCU All-America this past uh, week. And you can check out the All-America team on our website, BoxToRow.com. Thank you to Elijah Bell for joining us today on the program. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.